Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody out there in internet land. This is Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net here with Winter is Coming writer extraordinaire Corey Smith, guest hosting today on our worldwide tour of guest hosts. And of course, this is Take the Black, the weekly show. We go over all things fantasy, sci-fi, movies, TV, dragon space lasers, and other important matters of the heart, you know, um, global wars, oil shortages, that kind of thing. And today's episode is going to be all about the Wheel of Time. I mean, and I wanted to have Corey on, A, because he's great, and B, because you have read the Wheel of Time books, and this is an important show to kind of get out and talk about, I think, because... It's got to be the biggest fantasy show to come out since Game of Thrones, right? Which makes it important to anybody who is into this kind of crap. Would you say, Corey? Uh, crap is a strong word. Um, but yeah, you know, the Wheel of Time books, there's uh, 15 of them. So a few more than than Game of Thrones. But, um, you know, they, they've sold, you know, millions and millions of copies. So there's a built-in audience. Yeah there so i i think it is i think it's certainly you know amazon's produced plenty of tv shows but i feel like this is their most ambitious swing oh yeah you know they've they've done some some similar stuff like britannia and you know some other smaller shows but nothing that just has the boys right and you know and those were original ips you know Mm -hmm. those weren't you know they didn't have the the following of the book. So this is definitely their biggest swing. And I think they, I think it's a home run for them. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of our first question. And just to warn you all, we're going to get into spoilers today because last week was sort of the light preview. Did we like it? Did we not? But Corey and I have read the book. We've seen it. And we've seen the first three episodes, may have seen some more of that. We're not going to talk about that. And we can, I wanted to have you on so we can actually talk a little more nitty gritty about what's going on, what we like, what we don't weather is going the distance. And I, I guess our first question is just, yeah, general reactions. But first, I have to um, count on Julie Davies here saying, shame, shame, Dan. Why? Why shame, shame, Dan, Julie? Did, did it do anything? Is, do, 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 do I look weird? Uh, Stephanie says she's missed the past couple of weeks. Stephanie, you, you've missed some amazing episodes, but you're coming on a, on a good day because we are going to be talking about deep diving, spoiler-filled, the Wheel of Time discussion first three episodes. So, Corey, my first question for you, simple enough is just yay or nay on the first three episodes on this show in general? I would say a, a very strong yay. Um, it's, you know, it's not a, a perfect show, but it's it's very, very good. Um, I mean, for, I think as a whole, I mean, first seasons of a show, I mean, whoever ranks the first season of any show the best season, right? Game you of Thrones, best season, first one. I still maintain that. No, season four. Um, <laughs> Second. 
but you know because they're saddled with you know or, or even you know if it's a movie trilogy the first movie you know a lot of times Fellowship of the just, Ring best one <laughs> sorry again Return Matrix the, best one uh, but they tend to you know a lot of times they're they're confined by some of the the world building that they have to do right um, you can't always uh, get you don't and you, you're not as emotionally attached early on but I think you know these first three episodes that we've seen and and whatever we may have may not have seen oh, we past saw it. that we saw uh, i i think it does a terrific job i don't think um i don't think it overwhelms the the, the viewer with too much exposition um there's not even a you know the typical fantasy opening you know scrawl where they explain yeah. a bunch of stuff really fast that you have to you know <laughs> you know take in so i and think they could have yeah, they could have because there's I mean, listen, I'm like I said, there's 15 books. There's plenty of explaining they could have done, um, but they chose not to. So, you know, yeah, I, I think they did a really good job with the first three episodes. I do, too. Generally, I really liked them. And I, th- th- there is a a bit of a there's more of a cheese factor here than there was with Game of Thrones. Like, it's hard to not do that when you have, you know, uh, sorceresses throwing fireballs out of their hands and big um, horned, beaked monsters rampaging through a town and Moiraine Sedai, Rosamund Pike, giving a four-minute monologue about a town called Manetherin and how it was destroyed ages ago in the Trolloc Wars. But um, it is some cheese with a lot of belief and heart behind it. I can tell that the people making the show believe in it. And that really goes a long way. Right. And I will say, I thought the first episode was the weakest of them. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think this is probably maybe where you and I disagree. And, and again, when you say weakest, let's, let's be clear. It wasn't a bad episode, right? No, 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 no. It, it, yeah. it wasn't bad. My yeah. issue was where it is where it kind of felt the most derivative to me. Like I, I mean, and it is. It's like it's it's Lord of the Ringsy. It's Gandalf comes to town, takes the kids on a journey. It's Game of Thronesy. It's let's throw in some hot tub and some violence and some sex that we don't have in the books. Um, it, it, like, let, let's be honest. This show is in the shadow of Game of Thrones. It's being made as Game of Thrones is a hit, and. I think it's pretty clear that Amazon gave some notes to the guy in charge to let's Game of Thrones it up a little bit. So we get some sex and we get some nudity and we get some, uh, you know, people being disemboweled in the first thing. We get we get a big battle like there was a shot in that first battle, the the Trolloc attack, where it kind of followed Matt as he was running through um, the town scared it was very Jon Snow Battle of the Bastards. It, it was very recalling that to me. But I, will, I, I, I think it got less so as it went on after that. I also thought there was – I'm, I'm not sure I'm a – the character interpersonal drama bit felt a little like CW, like teenager-ish to me. I mean, and I guess they are young people and they are having their young people um, uh, tribulations. But um, it was a little like that. I, to, to me, the thing kicks up when more rains on the screen and she kind of pulls it together. And that's when I was really paying attention. But that's why it was the weakest. But yeah, I still enjoyed it. They're still invested in it. And so I get invested because they're invested. 
Yeah, I mean, in as far as it being, you know, derivative, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, all fantasy stuff kind of in the beginning, it's only as it goes on that it that it starts to really differentiate itself from other from other project, uh, you know, other projects. So I mean, yeah, there's a wizard and he comes and he rescues the kids and they got to go on a journey to defeat the, mm-hmm. the dark one. I mean, they're always called the dark one. Gandalf you know. takes the hobbits to go fight Sauron. Yeah. Right. And I, I tend to, I, you know, people want to compare it to game of Thrones in terms of, you know, what they hope will be the success, but I mean, it's, it's far more similar to Lord of the Rings than, yeah. than game of Thrones, you know? So, um, and the, the magic is all over the place in, in this show, as opposed to, you know, Game of Thrones was a little more subdued, um, but here it's it's all over the place. But I I quite enjoyed the first episode. I think, you know, kind of like first seasons. I mean, the first episode was always I think it has to have that battle that, that you, you feel like was derivative um, because you have to hook viewers. You have to kind of get them invested in, in what it what's going on. And then, like you said, the second and third episodes, I think, slow things down a bit and let which us I enjoy it. Yeah. Which let us get the get to know the characters a little more um, without, you know, the big action sequence and the Trollocs rampaging through and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I call it the I mean, maybe I agree it's the weakest episode, but again, so. calling it the weakest episode is is not any kind of insult. I think it's still a very solid opening episode. I agree. I mean, they did a good job. Let's take a little comment break here because we got some comments coming in. Uh, says Nicole, like this one, Royal Range, the only reason I'm still watching the show, want to play the other characters, but they just feel flat to me. I, I, I Do you agree, Coy, that Moral Reign is kind of, whether by choice or by coincidence, is a very effective center for the show. Like, especially now that we watch the next three, like they've really chosen to kind of put her at the center of things and make her kind of like a protagonist, even though she really isn't in the books. And I agree, by the way, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, Nicole, that Moiraine is like the reason to watch this. Rosamund Pike is doing a great job. I remember in that second episode where she gives the big speech about Manetherin, which is a fantasy nonsense name, and kind of the battle that used to occur long, long ago on this land. And I remember being impressed by how compelled I was just by her talking about this um, fake battle that happened to a fake town fake thousands of years ago. That was really, really cool to me. And I think she just gets better as it goes on. Like, to me, she, she, she is the, um, the goat. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because um, that scene in particular, because I, yes, I was a big fan of that scene as well. Um, and today, uh, Rafe Judkins, who's the showrunner for, for the show, yeah. he did a... a it's Rafe. Uh, Rafe. How do you say it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Rafe, R-A-F-E. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Manetherin, Rafe, you know. Um, <laughs> He did an AMA on Reddit, and uh, people brought that scene up specifically. And apparently, he was there was some pressure from Amazon to trim that that particular scene down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fought very hard to keep it uh, the length that it was. Um, he, he really believed it, and I think I think we both agree that was uh, a very standout little scene. Totally, because like. Yeah. 
it invested in the story and the characters, not just kind of the uh, spectacle of it, which I liked a lot. Right. Like, um, Saul says, the thing is that Roseman Pike makes the other characters <laughs> look too weak, which maybe a bit. Also, let's, I'll be honest here. The acting, I feel like Roseman Pike is kind of up here and the others well, are all like, not bad, but they're just not at, at, at her level. Like, she, if she's getting the Emmy nomination, if anybody does, I'm saying that. Right. But I mean, you know, that's I think that's a little unfair to the rest of the cast. I mean, she's been you know she's she's a highly decorated veteran and most i mean it's not that they're completely new to acting but um you know this is certainly their highest profile you know job for almost all of them so i mean it's a little you know it's kind of like sean bean in the first ever you Mm -hmm. know first season of of game of thrones um you know there's just he's he's got a experience level that exceeds everybody around him so i i think it's a little unfair of a comparison um i think you know to to the rest of the cast because i think they're you know having read the books i think they're doing a, a a very good job of and and this leans a little bit as the season goes on you know of making these characters more relatable um, because there mm-hmm. are, there are some, you know, in the books, some of the characters aren't necessarily as fleshed out as I, as I think they are on the screen. And um, you know, we'll, we'll get to this in a second. They, they make some changes to the characters on screen that, that as a viewer help us, I think, connect to the characters a little bit more um, because there's certainly a couple of characters in the books that I was not a fan of. And as I'm watching these, the first three episodes and then, and then later in the season, I'm really connecting with the, the characters I just completely disliked in the books. So that I think was a welcome change. I actually agree with you there. Although I, I think we had a comment. I think it was uh, Nicole, and I kind of agree with this a little bit, like said that Game of Thrones led the audience with characters, then magic, Wheel of Time is leading with magic, then adding character development. I'm not sure it'd be quite that harsh, but I, I do agree, Nicole, that just the Wheel of Time books, the characters aren't as um, potent as the ones on Game of Thrones in general. But I, I agree with you, Corey, that, yeah, I do think they're doing a good job with some of them that I didn't like in the book. My main example there is Matt. So Matt's a big character in the books. I mean, obviously, he's a big character in the show, too. Um, and I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I don't like him in the books. I, I, I've he's he's always I always want to reach in and like slap him around a little bit. Like he's always just kind sure. of yeah. selfish. And I feel like he's written to be like this Han Solo type who's like kind of roguish and daring. But he always just comes off like a brat to me. I never like it. OK, and I, I did like, and this has caused some conversation among fans because not, not everyone is happy with these things. Our comment section, in some cases, is very displeased. They kind of gave Matt, for instance, they gave him like this rough home life mm-hmm. in the show where he kind of sees that his parents are having a rough time and his dad's a layabout and his mom is sort of hates him because he's not a man, he's not a girl and he's protecting his sisters. And in the books, he has a perfectly fine home life, but he's a jerk anyway. But in the show, at least I'm like, okay, you're still kind of being a selfish little butthole. But at least now I can. okay, I get it. You you have it sort of rough at home. It it made me make more sense of Matt. And I actually if I had to pick like one actor among the non Rosamund Pikes who's impressing me, I think it might be Barney Harris's Matt probably the most. Right. Which is interesting because 
uh, Barbie yeah. Harris has been recast for season two. So, um, and we, we don't necessarily know why that is, but I would agree with you. I, I can't see that it was performance based. No, I think it's quite good. Yeah. And, and especially, you know, later on in the season, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, one day we'll find out if it's just scheduling conflicts or, or something oh, one else. One day but, we'll find out. Yeah. But we'll, I can't imagine that. Yeah, I can't imagine they looked at, at his dailies and, and whatnot and just were not impressed with his performance because he he does nail it pretty well. But um, back to the changes. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, and we can talk Matt and then we'll we'll talk. I think Perrin will be uh-huh. the next. But I, I mean, I, I think I appreciate the, the changes because, yeah, it does. It does allow some sympathy for the character because they don't change his sort of attitude like, you know, the like what you're talking about um, is sort of bratty, you know, kind of contrarian attitude. Which like at 20 and if you have a nice life, there's no reason for you to be acting like that. Right. <laughs> Just, I was thankful yeah. they had something. Right. So on the show, it was nice that they gave him something that made him a little more sympathetic. I know some Wheel of Time fans were kind of upset because um, his parents actually kind of play a little bit bigger role later mm-hmm. in the books. And so they were that kind of and they're and they're great people in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so some fans were upset that they kind of, uh, you know, sacrificed the the parents to make Matt more sympathetic. But I don't think that there was any necessarily damage done to those characters if they do Not bring so them far. back later on. That you couldn't, you know, the dad sobers up, you know, the mom mm-hmm. sobers up. They, you know what I mean? They try and be sure. better parents, all that. I think you can recover from from what they did. Um, the flip side is, you know, what they did with Perrin, obviously, um, you know, and this is a, a very big spoiler if you haven't seen it. Uh, I don't know, you know, in the books, Perrin is, is single and uh, like the like... kids. Right. And here they give him a, a wife named Layla that he promptly accidentally <laughs> murders uh, <laughs> during the big crawl. laugh attack. at that. That's not good. Yeah. So, you know, that I think is is kind of the more major change. Obviously, it involves mm-hmm. an entirely new character, um, and not who has just... like no lines. I think she have a single line. Um, yeah, they had you know in the forge early on when they he goes back after you know when Moraine shows up in the first episode, he goes back to the to the forge and they you know they have a little moment there. But for the most part, no. I mean, she's not she's not like a fleshed out character. Even though there were kind of hints that maybe there's wasn't something right with their relationship. I mean, they'd have uh, to be the barest of hints though, because we just didn't have much time. Yeah. Well, it's just because he, he walks in and he says, I love you. And she kind of just says, mm-hmm. I know. And you know <laughs> what I mean? And so it's just kind of like they were fighting or something was going on there. But I think that it, again, you know, and I spoke to, to, Marcus Rutherford, who plays Perrin, Ooh, yeah. and we, we talked about changes to the book. And I think that, uh, you know, they said, or Marcus said that Rafe and the rest of the producers, they wanted to have a visual reminder sort of for parents. Um, largely what's in the book is like an internal mental struggle, right? Yeah. He has, which is true. Perrin is, is supposed to be this big hulking, huge guy. He's, a, he's obviously a blacksmith. And, um, you know, he has a very he's very hesitant in the books. Right. And so it's just a personality trait. And but so they wanted to have something that would show why Perrin 
this big, huge strapping blacksmith guy would not be as uh, prone to violence as, as you might think. So I thought it worked pretty well. I mean, uh, and by the way, just before I get my take, um, lots of great comments and I'm going to read them after I get done with this little um, spiel. Yeah. Like, okay. I hear that. I, I, I will say this, like I watched it with someone who ha- who hasn't read the books and it worked for them. Like they were shocked when Perrin got, when a uh, parent stabbed his wife. And I mean, I did like those moments in the other episodes where like people were talking about like violence, huh? And pairing it's like a significant look and you know what he's thinking about. Right. That's mm-hmm. always nice. I, I, I like that technique of kind of um, giving an idea of what someone's thinking about without having them say it. And Perrin is not the kind of guy who would say things. So that's, that's effective. Right. I mean, the, the downside is, I mean, just creating a person, a loved one just to kill them is, is a kind of a lazy technique that is used a bunch Although it, it did sort of work for me, I'll be honest, too. Like, because again, I, I, I like looking at Paradigm knowing his conflict. Um, was it worth it to g- do that anyway? Like, are we saying he couldn't have been compelling without it? I don't know, and we'll never know. Honestly, I don't have much of a problem with it. I don't. But I get folk who would say this is stupid. I don't think it ruins anything. I mean, okay, this is my backhanded take about the Wheel of Time. I think it's hard to ruin characters who on the page are fairly thin like this. Like you have more flexibility here to do something different than you would and not to just slobber all over Game of Thrones. But if you change something big about Catelyn or Cersei or Tyrion or um, Arya or something who just are a little more better developed earlier in the series. I'm sure these characters are, are, are better developed later on. Like I'm four books in, they're getting better developed now, but they are a little more superficial. So I don't mind as much when they get tinkered with. And if you're a Wheel of Time super fan, maybe that bothers you a lot more. But but for me, it didn't really bother me that much, and I'm fine. Shall we read some comments, Corey? Because we got some coming in here. Sure. All right. What do you all think about this? With uh, Julie, Julie doesn't see the point at all of the parent switch. Stephanie is going to watch this as soon as podcast is over tonight. She's intrigued. So good job, Corey. We sold Stephanie on this program. Uh, Innkeeper Hatch, definitely the most shocking, obvious change. The metaphysics is where the biggest changes happen, though, in my opinion. Ooh, the metaphysics being the one power and the way it works, which, I mean, I still don't have a good handle on all the lore, to be honest with you, and how it all works. I'm not sure I'm the best person to be talking about that. As Todd Thatcher says, Perrin killing his wife was the one big thing Brandon Sanderson recommended they not include that Rafi Rafe chose to keep anyway. Yeah, I mean, that that had to be the biggest point of contention, right? About that. It's just so such a big change. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely the one where, you know, you can see both sides a little bit more. You know, I think the Matt thing is and it's and it's obviously, you know, the Matt thing's a little more subtle. They changed a few things with Rand and Egwene, um, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, parents is definitely the the biggest switch because, again, I mean, you're creating a whole new character. You're not just modifying an mm. existing one. So you're making, you making a prop to toss on the firewood. That's what you're doing. Right. And and a lot of people have called it uh, fridging, um, which is a pretty well-known and overused yeah. trope. I can see why that is. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I, I can definitely I think, so. I think it can fit into that. Um, I've also heard, a you know, bouncing around uh, a really interesting theory that they're saying that Layla was secretly a dark friend, uh, a servant 
of the dark the dark one um why would you need to well and it, it could make some sense but apparently you know if you if you rewatch the scene right before perrin strikes her um obviously he's running off instinct right he feels right. danger and when he sure. turns around she has her hammer raised over her head to strike him and she's looking directly at him so the thought is she was maybe gonna take Perrin out in that scene i don't know if that you know ends up being true but later on that would certainly, if if Perrin were able to find out somehow, would absolve him of any kind of guilt. So what? I don't... Why would you want her to be absolved of this? Oh, I, I hate those kind of theories because they're like, we can just um, completely we, shortcut any actual writing the story development by having her be this. That, that, that's not a good thing, I will say. I think it's a good sign for the series to be a success if people are making up these kinds of theories this early. Um, that's a sign that there's interest because Game of Thrones folk sure. were all kinds of theories all the time, nonstop. I hate the idea. I hate it. I think it's terrible. Let me read a comment by, uh, it's really good up here. Um, it was by Todd Thacker who said that it seems to me that Perrin isn't going to be able to organically, realistically recover from accidentally killing his wife in order to participate in plot developments later down the road either. That, I think, is probably the best argument I've heard for not including the wife character. And yes, you could shortcut it by telling she's a dark friend, but that would just... that That's the shortcut. That, that's the easy way out. That's not satisfying at all. Yeah, but I mean, if you find out that out, maybe, you know, three seasons on or something like that, I don't, I don't know. I, I, again, it's a theory, so obviously there's holes in it, um, you know, so... We'll see. I mean, on a similar note, you know how you're talking about it's it's great for interest that people are coming out with theories. Yeah, there's definitely a lot out there. And I think we reported on it, too, that uh, Wheel of Time was the most pirated show out there. And I think some people initially, obviously, that's that's offensive on one hand. But on the other hand, it's all good. The show being the most pirated show is is a sign of its success. Right. I think Uh, so. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the whole time Game of Thrones was the most popular show in the world, it was also the most pirated show on the world. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I hope Wheel of Time fans, I mean, I, I understand you don't want it to be to be pirated and you want the the people who actually made the the series to get the proper credit, but on the same token, that's that's a bit of a compliment that people are wanting to pirate it, that it's a series that's creating enough buzz that people want to find it any way that they can. I mean, piracy is, is, is a complicated issue, right? But I mean, basically, sure. to me, if the more you're pirated, like, that's a percentage of how people are actually watching legitimately. Right. Like, however popular yeah. you are, piracy is going to happen. It just is. Like, right. it's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, I consider it a compliment because that means that many more folk are actually watching legitimately. Right. I mean, you're never in a situation where there's going to be zero piracy, but tons of popularity. Popularity equals more piracy. So right. it's exactly a so, good thing. It's a good metric. It's a good sign. It's not a good right. act, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to weigh in on this. I don't have the authority here. Um, they do another question, though. So we're, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, it's, it's being pirated a lot. We're talking about people making theories about it. Um, do you think it's giving off the signs of a show that could go a long time? Like, you know, the next Game of Thrones, whatever that means. But like, could this Amazon wants us to be a giant 10 year, like eight season, whatever journey? Does it have the gas in the tank? If you had to say right now, um, I would say, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's enough source material, like we were saying, you yeah, know, there's 15 is. books. 
um, you know, so there's plenty of material there that they could, that, you know, cover. And some of those books are longer than others. Some of them are twice as long as the other one. So, mm. I mean, there's, there's massive amounts of material now. Do they want, uh, obviously they're not going to adapt every single page no. and, and every single chapter. Um, but I mean, you're, talking, you're, you're talking 15 books. I think they could easily go seven or eight seasons. I, I don't see, oh, yeah. I think, I think they'll have the opposite problem of not, of having to trim, you know, enough stuff, not having, you know, not having the problem of running out of things to adapt. So, and it sounds like people are on board more or less, at least popularity wise. I think it'll be a hit. I think it'll be around for a while. Um, will it make it all the way to the end? I'm not as sure, but I think it's definitely already justified a second season, like just with the first three. And right, which is already halfway through filming from what we understand yeah. season two. So, and, and again, also, I mean, you have to consider too, Amazon is making the show, right? <laughs> Obviously they have deep pockets, but they also, I think have different metrics of success, right? Yeah, um, yeah you know, HBO, they're the only product they're selling is HBO, right? They want you to have that HBO Max subscription, and and same thing for for Netflix and Disney Plus. I mean, that's what they're selling. But Amazon can use you know the show to sell other products, right? To sell Amazon, literally Prime, everything, literally everything under the sun. So it's it's a different metric to them. They have you know. I'm not saying they don't want anybody to tune in, tune into it. But again, if, if the only measure of success is how many people are tuning in, not how many Amazon prime subscriptions they sell, you know, that it's different for them. So they could theoretically keep it around longer with a smaller audience than maybe something that would get kept around for the same amount of time on yeah. HBO or, or Netflix, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And I mean, if Jeff Bezos can, scrounge up some couch cushion money and go into space. He can definitely fund an eight season TV show after some sure. time. Yeah. Right. And, and on that note, I mean, I thought it looked, I, th I thought the show looks amazing. There were some comments up there that said the, that the FX weren't good. I mean, it, uh, the, the, the landscapes are gorgeous. Even right. I'll say like that first battle when she was like, kind of, I think they may have reached a little too far when uh, she was like, kind of tearing apart the buildings and throwing the rocks at people. Um, I was like, all right, you may have gone a, a tad too ambitious here because I can kind of see the seams. But I mean, it looks really, really, really good for a TV show. Yeah. I might have built up a bit maybe to uh, the giant battle stuff and save the money a little more judiciously. But it looks great. And not to be too many spoilers, but like we've seen the next three episodes. I, I think I think it gets better, the show in general. And I think it already started strong. I think the, I think there's a and the sixth one is is gorgeous. They kind of have it in. You'll see. You'll see when it happens. Um, before we move on, I also want to read this comment from Todd about Sidine. Uh, and Todd, I don't promise to give a coherent answer because I'm not like I haven't deep dived into the lore and stuff. But you, you are right. So let's just see what happens here. Okay. <clears throat> one issue Todd has is that it seems to him they've confused the Dark One's taint on Sidene, the male half of the true source, that drove the previous dragon, the one who's now been reborn apparently, insane. Both the idea that a female could be the dragon and the Red Aja saying the men touching the source were polluting it, rather than being driven insane by the Dark One's pollution of it, seems to obfuscate that plot point. 
I don't know if people who haven't read the books understand this. So, okay, we can't we can't spend too much time on this because we've been talking here forever, but basically, it's that you got the true source, women can use, which is why the Aes Sedai can use it, and long ago the Dark One polluted the male half, so whoever, whenever man touches it goes crazy, and that's why the Red Aja hunt them down and castrate them, magically castrate them, basically, and they can't touch it. Right. About the bit with the Red Aja, Todd, saying the men touching the source were polluting it, I, I took that as like the Red Aja were being misandrists. It's like the Red Aja were kind of being bigoted against men. Not that that was the, really what's happening. Like, Leandrin is not a nice person. She is um, kind of being a bit of a meanie and saying that they themselves are dirty rather than the source is dirty. I, that, that, that's what I took. And as for, like, in the books, for folk who don't know, um, Egwene and Nynaeve are not contenders for the Dragon Reborn. It's only Matt. Rand and Perrin, oh. so many names. Um, and they expanded it in the show to include an even an Egwene, which, I mean, I think that might cause problems if we didn't already know who the actual dragon was, because I won't spoil it, but you find out at the end of the first book, and I think that should eliminate the issue, right? Because, like, it, 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 it won't matter once you find out who it really is. Yeah. And I do like how you can actually kind of tell, you actually can't tell in the show who it is. Because in the book, it's kind of obvious. Like, it's written, it's told in this one character's perspective. But in the show, it's a little less obvious because it's more diff- it's more of an ensemble thing. So it, it could be anybody, which I like. And again, the person I watched it with also was into that. So I right. I think there are pros and cons to it. Yeah, I, I think that they kind of made the decision early on for, for the viewers that they were going to keep that part a mystery as long as they could. Um, and yeah, because in the books, I think I think you figure it out within the first couple chapters because mm-hmm. there's even a monologue uh, by one of the characters' fathers about their secret past. Yes. And that's in like chapter three or four. I mean, it's it's very early on. So you kind of figure it out early who the actual Dragon Reborn is. So I I tend to, I see it both ways. I mean, it certainly makes more sense why Egwene and eventually Nynaeve are fleeing their, their town, right? Um, sure. Because yeah, it the, does, doesn't it? Because there's a potential. And I, I do think the show did a good job of explaining why Moraine would think that because, you know, she she has a line about how, you know, the prophecy has been translated 5,000 times over yeah, 10,000 yeah. years by 100 different people. So something could have been lost in translation. That being said, the, the books do make a clear difference between the, the men and the women of the world ch- using different sides of the true source to channel, right? Sider yeah. and Sidine. Side, um, yeah, whatever. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, but they, the they do. The audio say Sidar. Yeah. And so, okay. So, and, you know, so I, I can see why to me, honestly, if, 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 if I was a die, cause I have not read the books 10 times and, and sure, over sure. the past 20 years, like, like a lot of fans have, like the diehard fans have. To me, I think those changes would be the ones I would have the most issue with um, it, it compared to like what they did with Matt and Rand and Egwene and, and things like that. I think the, the the metaphysical changes would be the ones that I have the biggest issue be, only because not to be like a, a lore nerd, but... <laughs> 
it, it is important within the realm of the books, the, the, the different powers that men and women have and their ability to touch the source and, and things like that. So I think I, I agree with, with, with the commenter that it, it could be oh, some with Todd that down the road, that could be something that becomes an issue. I don't know how much of an issue it will be. I mean, that kind of remains to be seen even within the extra episodes that we've seen. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, TBD, I guess on that to, you know, put a pin in it and we'll see down the road where that goes. I'm cool with it. Like uh, life is too short to worry about metaphysics, especially fake metaphysics. Um, yeah, but I mean, so again, I, I'm cool with it. I, I do think it, it it's not just, you know, oh, it's supposed to be yellow or it's supposed to be red and it's not. No. You know, I, I do think that there is something to be said down the road about how um, it can change the interactions between the characters, because a lot of what is happens in the books is based on male versus female channelers. So I, I can see it being an issue down the road, but I, I do tend to have faith that maybe they were just simplifying things for the viewer. I mean, and again, like I'm four books in and I, I, I don't see how it could be much of a problem, but I haven't read all of it too. Also, right. we got to move on. But like the whole my, my biggest problem with the books might be like the gender essentialism bits in there. Not just like the magic stuff, like the way every woman talks about how you can't understand men and how every man talks about how you can't understand women. It's like they're different species. Like, right. it's, I don't know what Robert Jordan was doing when he growing up, but it, it seems... It's it's a little weird, okay. When I, I'm reading I think, it, I think that that, that it's people, very early '90s. A lot of uh, a lot of the hardcore fans will tell you that that Robert Jordan was not a romance writer. Um, and I'm not talking romance. I'm talking well, like romance, human beings acting like humans. Yeah, it's it it, and I, I do think again that that's an improvement on the show. Is is the relationships feel more natural on these and don't feel as you know men are from venus women are from mars however that (laughs) thing goes but yeah that's you know whatever uh mixed metaphors so but overall i think i think the point is i i I do want to circle back i think it's a it's a good show right now it's bordering on on being great and i think it can get there you know depending on how the rest of the season goes I agree. And I'll, I'll cut it off there. I keep talking, but I know I can't. Julie, great comment. I'm old and I still don't understand men, <laughs> which, um, okay, but then perhaps that, that works for you, but I don't know. I, I read the books and I'm, it reminded me of like a 90s comedian in a brick wall saying like, men be like this and women be like this. That was kind of the wheel of time is that joke, but the series and I'm, I'm, sure. I'm fine with them doing a little bit of updating. Okay. Yeah. Corey, let, 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 let's speed through this a bit because we have talked a long time, as we should. I, I'm glad you were on here to talk about this in depth. I, I really am. And hopefully you'll come back sometime, maybe for the finale or something, talk about it again. Uh, but Corey, are you watching anything else besides Wheel of Time right now? And are you watching anything else out there, people? Good viewers? Um, I just started watching that uh, Hawkeye debuted on, on Disney+. Oh, Plus. I just started watching that uh, too early. I can't I, I'm not going to give an opinion on that because I'm literally like halfway through the first episode. So um, I'll say, I mean, I'm it's a Marvel show and they're usually pretty good. So I'm definitely interested in that um, succession, though, on yeah. HBO is what's what's rocking. Yeah, my it's rocking pretty now. hard. Yeah, it's it's so it's. 
so so good anybody i think hadn't seen it needs to needs to pick it up the the acting and the performances in that show are just absolutely top notch um the drama the you know i mean it's another rich white people being awful to each other show um (laughs) but but it's it very is, timely. Yes, but it is so good. It's like one of those shows. With that, a time was made by Jeff Bezos. Secession is about Jeff Bezos. Right. Exactly. And it's one of those shows where it's like, yeah, you say it's a, it's another. It's it on it, the surface. It feels derivative, right? It's just rich white so. people doing you know rich crazy stuff to each other, arguing over who gets the jet and and things like that. But it, it is. But the acting and the dialogue are just they're just so far above everything else right now God, that it's, so good. it's hard not to like it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they just they the scripts are so um, lovingly written with so much personality and kind of verve and twists and turns. It just it, it's fun to just listen to that show. But OK, yeah, uh, so I'm. We can talk about it for a while. We got to move on though, because we got to wrap it up before the before the hour closes. Oh, we're going to try anyway. Um, I, I'm in secession. I'm watching watching Squid Game, loving that. Have any Thanksgiving? There you go. You're like the last person to watch it on planet. I know, Earth. I know. So I'm not even talking about it. It's really good. Um, any uh, Thanksgiving films you're going to watch, Corey? The Supreme Holiday? No, not really movies. I mean, we're big we're big football fans. So we'll be watching football throughout the day. Um, you know, weather's supposed to be terrible here in Austin. So we'll all be stuck in the house, but yeah, I mean, I think football really, it, it will be the Brings big one. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And me, I have no idea. I will go to my parents' place tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Okay. Shall we go on to the final segment? The Wick news lightning round. Lightning round. It's the Wick news lightning round. Where we have 20 seconds, and thank you for doing this, Corey, um, <laughs> to respond to um, a variety of other headlines. We couldn't fit in the main show, which today was just what we'll have anyway. All right. You know, once before, Corey, are you ready to start in on the lightning round? Let's do it. Okay. I will ask the question uh, first. Uh, Corey, look at this poster for The Matrix Resurrections. Do you have any thoughts on it for 20 seconds? Uh, I'm I'm a big Matrix fan. It looks very triangular. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I that's my first thought when I see it all. Everybody's wearing, you know, coats and dresses that angle up like a triangle. I don't know if that means anything. Who I knows? I didn't even think Matrix. about that. That was my, that's what caught my eye first. I don't know. Okay. You have, so, you've cracked the code. That's going to be a big theme. All right. Give me one. So Arya Stark in the, in the Smash Brother clone multiverse. This is fun. Okay, so Warner Brothers Games making a uh, video game called Multiverses. Good name. And you can play as Arya Stark in a fighting game. You can fight as Arya Stark against Batman, Bugs Bunny, Superman, I assume other people, Rick and Morty or Rick or Morty, I don't know. That's cute, right? If, 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 if you're going to choose a Game of Thrones character to be in a fighting game, would you have got Arya? That's a pretty good choice. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yes, okay. Excellent. All right. Next up. Uh, Corey, Train to Busan, popular Korean zombie flick, is being remade as an American film called Last Train to New York. Yay or nay? Uh, a, a cautious nay. I mean, Train to Busan was so innovative in its its tight filming. So, I mean, if they can capture that without just being a straight remake, I'm on board. I love zombie films. So, I heard it was great. I did not see it. Should I? It's very creative. Yeah, I would I would definitely give it a watch. Excellent. I think I will. 
I'm really good at this. All right. For some reason, Corey, um, I don't know why the next one is just gone. Oh, just ask <laughs> you the next thing. Go ahead. Uh, so Paramount had pulled Star Trek Discovery off of virtually everything but Paramount yes. Plus right before season four. So any thoughts? That's nuts. I mean, okay, so this Star Trek Discovery, this big Star Trek show, new season coming up. Most people around the world watch it on Netflix because they don't have Paramount Plus because it doesn't exist in those countries yet. Right. And Paramount just pulled the show from Netflix. So now these people around the world just can't watch it, period, until next year. That sucks. That is a terrible move. Like, really bad for PR. Really dumb, ugly thing to do. And that's what I think about that. All right. Um, Corey, Scarlett Johansson... Uh, Black Widow fame, who sued Disney for a million dollars, is now working on a top-secret Marvel project. She's back! She's back. Uh, I guess, I I mean, at some point, I mean, is she dead or is she not dead? Like, how many more times are we going to see her after she died? I know it's comic books and nobody dies in comics, but I I don't know. I guess TBD. We'll, We'll see what it is. I'm surprised after the suing thing, they just got back together. That was, that was kind of oh, my surprise. No. Nah, I wasn't surprised by that part. I guess. No, it doesn't really matter. All right. Um, hit me. So Attack on Titan, which I've mm. not seen. It's they okay. are about to air their final episodes in January. Thoughts? Oh, the show. Okay. This anime has been going around from like the early 2010s about um, giants who are eating people and the city that has to defend against them. Really, It's always been really, really like just gruesome and just kind of um, in your face uh, intense. I've liked it a lot. And they're really going toward a hard, good landing. I'm looking forward to it. Come on, January. All right. Almost done. Um, ooh, uh, Corey, would you watch a um, Ridley Scott's made Blade Runner TV show? Yeah, as long as they change up the formula. I loved uh, Blade Runner 2049. but It was pretty good, it, yeah. It, it was good, but it did feel a bit like the same. So if they change up the formula, yeah, I'm on board. Cool. I mean... I'm a little sad that like everyone is like you have to make a TV show out of everything now, but I mean, sure, it's a pretty good thing. It's a good property. Sure, go ahead. All right, last one. Uh, Amazon wants to make a Mass Effect TV show to presumably air right alongside Wheel of Time. What do you think? Yeah, of course they do because um, Jeff Bezos is a giant nerd. He saved the Expanse. He's making Wheel of Time. He's making Lord of the Rings, and now he wants to make Mass Effect noted, super popular xbox video game well no bioware video game franchise is this an xbox i forget anyway yeah that that tracks jeff bezos really wants to be an entertainment kingpin i guess and he wants to he wants to go into space literally and then go into space digitally through this tv show who i had a lot of fun this week Corey. i thought the commenters were popping off i liked going deep diving on the time for you we could have gone further like i would love to unpack um all the i think we just scratched the surface i don't even think we did a deep dive i mean we talked for like 40 minutes about it, but yeah, know, you're right. But I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It was yeah, just yeah. like a couple of hours. Like, I would love to just go for an hour and unpack just – have you ever read The Wheel of Time and like come across something and just been like, huh? Like, what is – what What do you mean by that? I think there's some gender issues in there. I just I, – I, I do. It's like I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sociologist. But just – it's a little weird the way – Every character, the adults and the teenagers. I know Todd said, do I remember how Mysterious Woman were when I was a teenager? Yeah, but like everybody in these books acts like this. The adults and the teenagers and the kids as though right. women and men are alien species. And I know that can be hard to understand, but 
I don't know. It, it, it's, it keeps striking me as odd. That's what I wanted to say about that. And uh, I can get further into it. Robert Jordan has some fun stuff. Have you... Should, okay, now. Any other closing thoughts, Corey, before we uh, start talking for hours? No, no, but definitely definitely give Wheel of Time uh, a look on Amazon. The, the first three episodes are available, like we said. Um, and then each episode comes out Thursday. Um, Friday. At, right? Friday at it was some weird time. I forget they like general mountain time or something. Oh, so hmm. um, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a good show. It's a I, nice I fantasy show and it's, it, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I completely agree. And thanks for watching everybody. Um, we are available in podcast form, wherever podcasts are downloadable, iTunes, Google play, etc., and so forth. You can also join the WIT Club for extra articles, videos, and prizes. Link in the description. And we stream live every Wednesday here on the Winners Coming Facebook page and Winners Coming YouTube page. Thanks, and Corey, for coming for coming on here. It's a it, it is genuinely fun talking to you, getting into this kind of stuff, nitty gritty. I mean, nitty gritty enough, I guess. We can still go further, but we did our best. Um, thanks for everyone watching and listening, and happy Thanksgiving. See you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.